When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Heyo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast. Coming to you live from Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson, alongside with the CHGO White Sox crew. That's Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. Uh, and the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him at EcknerWall23. Uh, that is uh, his name backwards. Uh, he's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Mm-hmm. I'm so shook up. We had a whole show planned. We're going to talk to you about what Chris Getz said besides, you know, what Mike Soroka is going to bring, why they traded Aaron Bummer. Michael Soroka. Oh yeah, that's Michael. the preferred. That's the preferred uh, situation there with him. Okay. Yeah. Situation. And, yeah. And it helps. Or you name. That's yeah, another. You, yeah. Because yeah, I couldn't come up with the word name. I learned that Zach Britton uh, did not speak up about his name being spelled with a K for a while. So Zach Britton was spelled Z H C H for a while. He's in a, the majors. So he's a, he's actually Zach, but people accidentally called him Zach. Yes. Wow. And I and you know he didn't seem too offended because it took him a while into his major league career to say that. And huh. then uh, also Tyrod Taylor. Uh, not it's not Tyrod. It's kind of like Alice A. Ramirez. Oh. Well, that one, that one's just, I, I think, people butchering the Spanish language. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, spelling Zach the wrong way and Michael versus Mike. Mm-hmm. We, we, I mean, you know, maybe, people, his, maybe his family calls him Mike, but, you know, he's Michael. These guys get so pumped to be in the big leagues that they'll just let you call him whatever, that, whatever you want. Right. Yeah. Like, it's, it's crazy. Like, obviously, there's still so many different people pronouncing Aloy, Aloy Jimenez's name wrong, as I say the wrong name, Aloy Jimenez's name wrong, and, like, to this day, I feel like you ask him, and he's like, yeah, whatever. Pronounce whatever you want. <laughs> like, he came up, and we literally asked him point blank, is it, is it Eloy? Is it Eloy? Is it Eloy? Kind of thing. He's like, "Man, eh, whatever. Like, th- that question has an answer. Just tell us yeah. what it is. Well, and the Lewis <laughs> Robert thing, too. That took a while. That for did take to, a while oh, to get hashed yeah, out, didn't not, it? Not, not good for us. Yeah. Uh, anyways, hit the thumbs up button. We appreciate everyone hanging out with us. Sarah's producing us. Uh, Steven Hi. is weirdly watching. Oh, sorry. My bad. I didn't mean to step on that. Uh, someone did say they liked what Sarah brought to the podcast in the uh, Apple podcast reviews. That, that uh, like made my day. They said I had a soft, kind voice, which I feel like is kind of, I feel like I'm just, just here and, you know. <laughs> hanging out. Uh, hanging out, yeah. And uh, Steven's hanging out on the side, uh, yelling at us about how. I'm sure you don't say anything bad about Okay, I mean, so we got a cop over here on the, <laughs> on the set. Uh, you say he's hanging out on the side. He's actually standing just off camera, like bouncing up and down. He's wait, so happy. Like a yeah. boxer ready yeah. to fight. Uh, John Heyman reports that the White Sox are nearing a deal, a major league deal, with Paul DeYoung. We cannot say that Paul DeYoung is a White Sox yet. He, he isn't. 
So, <laughs> you excited for Paul DeYoung? Herb? <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, uh, Chris Getz spoke of defense, and this guy can play multiple positions pretty well. Um, if you're thinking, like many are, that he's Paul DeYoung from St. Louis, shortstop who hit double-digit home runs, sometimes 20, sometimes 30 home runs, that guy probably not coming to Chicago. But, you know, he has that in his uh, recent past. I think up until, like, 2019, he was hitting 20 home runs. But uh, it's a deal just like when you get Michael Soroka. It can't hurt. It might help. The guy is a placeholder for the most part. I think if they do sign uh, Paul Young, they're going to have him at shortstop as a placeholder until Colson Montgomery's ready either later in 2024 or 2025. I assume it won't be a long-term deal. I'm thinking two-year deal with the second year being the team option. And so I'm not going to crap on it as much as I want, but I don't want people to be thinking, oh, yeah, Paul Young, here we go. You got a player that was a negative war player, like the negative war player you just gave up in Tim Anderson last year. Hopefully a change of scenery. You know, he gets over the fact that he's never not in St. Louis anymore because I know he wrote a couple years ago that, like, leaving St. Louis was a little big of a shock to him because that's where he got drafted. So he came up. He had good success in the major leagues. And now he's kind of over that, you know, that little traveling from Toronto to San Francisco. And now he's got a stable home for at least this year if he gets signed to the White Sox. And I hope he realizes that that's a spot. We're going to give him as many games as he needs to to regain the form, but he's there for defense first. Offense is just a plus. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it there for the most part. Uh, the expectation certainly would be that he would be the everyday shortstop, but not permanently, you no. know. So uh, I think placeholder is probably a good call for him. And, again, it kind of does some more to define what this year is going to be like for the White Sox and what they envision this upcoming season being. Um, you know, we still, even at the GM meetings, didn't get a clear answer from Chris Getz. Hey, do you expect to field the contending team uh, in 2024? And what has happened since the GM meetings? Aaron Bummer is gone. The guys that have come in are going to make some sort of major league impact, but not maybe an overwhelming, um, uh, you know, an overwhelming addition in some of those guys they got in the trade with the Braves. Now you've got a report of a guy that might be coming in, not going to necessarily overwhelm anyone except for the folks up in Antioch, who I'm sure are thrilled. But uh, <laughs> and Steven, and Steven uh, you know, all your all the Redbirds in the area are jumping for joy. But uh, you know, you're right. It's it's not a guy who's probably going to reach that 30 home run mark that he hit in the past. But hey. Double-digit home runs out of the shortstop position would be nice after they only got one out of their starting shortstop there a year ago. So um, I don't think anybody should be expecting this to be some sort of wild upgrade to Tim Anderson. Obviously, you would hope it would be an upgrade over the production that Tim Anderson turned in last season while he was hurt all year. But um, listen, defense is what Chris gets hammered home during the GM meetings that that was going to be their number one priority. Infield defense between getting Nicky Lopez in that trade with the Braves, and we still don't know whether he's going to be an everyday guy or a bench player. But And now, if, the, if it comes to fruition here, Paul DeYoung, that's infield defense being improved for the White Sox. Yeah, right now the infield would be Mancata at third, DeYoung it short if it's actually official uh, Lopez at second and we'll talk more about Lopez possibly later on in the show with Chris Getz on if he is actually going to be the guy or not or maybe if he's just going to be a bench piece uh, and then Vaughn at first 
I also don't know if it's that much of an upgrade. I know that obviously you hit 14 home runs compared to Tim's one, uh, but Tim had a better batting average. They basically are the same profile when it comes to walking and striking out. DeYoung walked 21 times to uh, striking out 121. Tim walked 26 times to 122. Um, I mean, Tim is better at making contact, and DeYoung probably swings for the fences a little bit more. I think that the floor is a little bit higher with Tim, but the price is just going to be completely different. I mean, they just signed Andrews to $3 million. I would assume that it's probably around that number, so it's going to be at least, what, $10 million less than Tim. So at least from what we're being signaled, this team doesn't seem to be too competitive in 2024. I mean, they could play the... I mean, he's not dead yet. The ghost of Ozzie Smith uh, at shortstop, and I would not care because um, this team's going to lose 100 games again. I would say the opposite. You said the floor is a little higher with Tim. I say with the floor is a little higher with Young, but the ceiling's higher with Tim. Like, That's there's, right. I think there, I think I actually meant to say that. You're yeah, right. and so it's like you know what you're going to get from the Young. You know. While the bat's not there, the defense is going to be solid. And uh, I think as Jordan Lozowski from Sox on 35th has put, it's like middle infield of Lopez and DeYoung, no balls are going to be getting through. But if you trade Dylan Cease, a lot of balls are going to be going over the fence, so it won't matter at all. So, yeah, this is signaling a huge rebuild, revamping. These players are not going to be, you know, the all-star caliber players that you used to be in both of those guys. And so there's, this is trying to catch lightning in a bottle also at the same time while trying to rebuild on the fly. So if they do work out to being those guys they used to be, Chris Getz looks like a genius. If they don't, everybody's like, you know, they weren't supposed to be good. And so we'll move on to the next because that those guys weren't here for a long time. They were just here as placeholders. And so it works out perfectly for Chris Getz in his first year as general manager with little expectations. And you bring in players with little expectations on them, too. I mean, certainly at this position, that is very much the case. I, I don't know. I mean... There's no. It's not like there's a future second baseman waiting down at AAA right now. No, you know that we have seen. Certainly, Lenin Sosa did not impress in what he's been able to do so far. There's not a future right fielder waiting there unless Oscar Colas dramatically turns things around. You know, so I don't know if you can just say throw placeholders all over the field and wait till 2025. And boy, then we're cooking. Like they need to go get players to play those positions in the long term. Except at shortstop, they have. Colson Montgomery coming up. Paul DeYoung is probably a perfect placeholder while you wait for Colson Montgomery. So, like, in the vacuum of shortstop, this move is the move you would expect given their situation, given their situation at that position. But I would be hesitant on judging the whole offseason that way because, like I said, there are other positions where they, they need guys. They need to go get guys if they're going to be ready for 2025. They need to go get guys. Heck, if they're shooting for 2026, it's not like they can just be like, oh, well, we'll draft this second baseman in the right fielder in the draft this summer, and, by, and two years from now, then we'll be set. Like, they're going to need those players at some point. Maybe they want to wait till next offseason when the when the free agent market is a little bit more appealing. That's fine. But judging the whole offseason on just, well, did he go and get the right placeholders all around the diamond or all throughout the pitching staff, be careful with that because it, shortstop is unique for this White Sox team in that they have the future on the way. Yeah, and, and no, it's a good point because – I mean, there is no really future of right field. It was Oscar Colas, who we'll talk about later. Uh, there is, as you mentioned, no real second baseman of the future. Maybe. You know, there's like 
six of them. Maybe one of them could be the guy. Maybe it's Naperville's Nikki Lopez. Maybe it's Lenin Sosa. Maybe it's uh, Popeye. Maybe it's uh, Zach Remillard, your guy. I mean, it could be anybody. Um, could be Herb. Um, Can I ask you who had more hits? Paul DeYoung in Toronto well, or or um, the catcher for the White Sox? I'm Corey Lee. Corey Lee yeah, this, the is, White Sox. this is unfair because I, I saw Connor's uh, – I, I already looked at his uh, – Oh, did you? 068 batting average in I mean, Toronto. I would I would say that he had less hits than Corey Lee. He did. He had three. Yeah, he only played 13 games. And if but he had 40-something 40, 40 bats, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll go to the chat real quick. Uh, Connor said, guys, DeYoung is actually terrible. As a guy who watched him for a full month after the deadline, woof – he would say that. Paul DeYoung, in those 13 games, as you mentioned, Herb, 44 at-bats, three hits, which... All singles. Approaching on the Corey Lee territory, which gave him a OPS plus of negative 62. Mm. So I think... That's not good. Connor's evaluation is pretty fair. But as Maybe. you brought up, Herb, this guy was in St. Louis for a ton of his career. Um, and in St. Louis, he played 81 games this year in St. Louis, a 710 OPS, plus, uh, a 710 OPS, 92 OPS plus. His defense was fine. Like... If he is comfortable in Chicago with a full offseason, having the expectation that he's going to be in Chicago, maybe that sets him up better than, hey, you're going to go over to a new country in Toronto. Because that didn't seem to work out well. And there was a little, at least a little bit of a bounce back. He went from negative 62 OPS plus to 26 OPS plus in San Francisco. San Francisco. Okay. So These are for some pretty small sample sizes, though. Too. Above zero. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, but just, you know, there was a lot of change in that. That, that player. So I don't know how critical to be of him in those 18 games of San Francisco and 13 games in Toronto. Like, it's probably the worst games he'll ever play in his career. Local up the Hopefully. middle defense. I like it. Well, you think they're done? I, uh, I mean, th- this also isn't official, and also Whit Merrifield isn't on the team yet. <laughs> Who's going to play right field? And also, is Nicky Lopez the guy? I think Nicky Lopez can play second base and will likely be used, but is he going to be the starter? I mean, I think that remains to be seen. Certainly, I, I asked Chris Getz that very question on Friday, and what he had to say was that it's too early in the offseason to tell. And I think, here you go. Here's a report of them adding to that infield mix. That infield mix is different not even a week later, maybe, than than it was when Chris Getz talked on Friday, right? So um, there is a lot of obviously time left to go and maybe there are some more moves left as well I mean certainly if you can go out and get a player that is better than Nicky Lopez that makes Nicky Lopez able to be a backup infielder a guy who can move around then you're in a better spot right so um, maybe Chris Getz has that in mind or maybe that's just a we don't know what's going to happen we'll see if something happens if but if this is the guy then we'd be okay with that uh, but basically he was just saying too early to tell so I think that's the answer right now I would tend to think that they'll probably go try to bring in some other folks but I don't know how much how much better you know than than Nicky Lopez that'll be maybe maybe your Whit Merrifield uh, prediction is is cooking who knows again I don't think it's a prediction I don't think it's cooking I think it's set in stone you know, I mean, I mean, we did hear about Paul DeYoung a long time and it's almost a fruition. So it seems like they don't have like the necessary secretive type of uh, vibes that Kenny and Rick used to work with, where it's like everything's clandestine. And then when something happens, like, oh, man, the White Sox are out there doing things. I heard about Paul DeYoung like right when the offseason started. Well, you heard about it from Sox Machine. Uh, Sox Machine had the rumor first, uh, November 6th. And I think we, they reported it as we were on the show. Um, so we, we did bring it up uh, then, and it did come to fruition, as you said. Um, I don't know if, if it means lack of secrecy, though. I mean, they didn't get rid of everybody. 
I mean, we're already talking about Whit Merrifield coming. That's, None of that's source, though. This is all like we all know that they're 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 playing, and then Salvi's going to come as their catcher because we still need a goddamn catcher because Corey Lee can't catch or can't hit. He can probably catch. Okay, but like some of it's a bit. I don't think the Salvi thing is going to happen as you mentioned because of money. Like that is if that trade happens, like the Aaron Bummer trade was an ugly trade, like the five for one. The Salvi Perez trade to Chicago with Yohan Moncada going back to Kansas City is going to be the most confusing trade ever if it happens, which is why it probably won't happen. Whit Merrifield's a free agent who can play second base in right field. I mean, it just and and he his his former man or former bench coach is the manager. I mean, I don't think it's that crazy. There's no actual sources there. It just seems like. They, there was reported interest in Nicky Lopez for a while. We had, a, I think, a, an episode in January trade, about it. It was, yeah, last offseason, yeah. Right. So, I mean, it seems like there, there's been interest in Nicky Lopez, so it's not shocking that, like, he ended up coming back. I mean, I don't know if anything's leaking out, though. I mean, I, the only thing that I, I would say is the, the Sox machine won. And, Smart. I guess. Sourced. Well-sourced. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, all right. Thank you to everyone hanging out with the comments. Hit the thumbs up button if you're hanging out with us. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Garrett Crochet. Why don't we take a break, though? Uh, Paul DeYoung maybe is the next shortstop for the Chicago White Sox. How's that appear, Vin? Oh, it slid right across the way, but it did not spill. Probably because it's honkingly delicious. Mmm. Mmm. 312 that didn't spill. Goose Island is uh, our proud partner here at CHGO. They've been Chicago's beer since 1988, and we think you should go check them out as well. Now, whether you're going over to Lincoln Park, uh, over on Clyburn there to have a, uh, a burger and some beer uh, at their location up there, or you're just heading on over to the tap room on Fulton Street in West Town, either place is a place where you can get some fantastic beers. Their whole roster is good. We enjoy, obviously, the 312. I enjoy it. I'll be enjoying it on Thanksgiving. I'll be thankful for Goose Island. Herb is enjoying uh, the beer hug, which he uh, often does. What, which variety do you this have is today? A juicy beer hug. Oh, the juicy beer hug. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. My and favorite they, design in the can as well. Is the, the beer hugs? Yeah, yeah, the beer ones. Those are fun. They're nice. They're bright. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the uh, full pocket pills, which is what the non-Milwaukee brewers drink uh, over at, over at the uh, the brew house. So, I think you should go get yourself some. Goose Island whenever you can. Sounds great. They, they're supporting us. You should support them since 1988 here in town. Go go have yourself a honkingly good time. It's just over there. You want to go now? Well, after the show. Oh. But sure. In Clyburn Street? I mean. Clyburn's in Lincoln. Okay, we can just go oh, now. Yeah. Clyburn's in Lincoln. All right. And that's the show. We're, the show. Going get a, we're going to get a going to get a goose. Uh, Midwest or Midtown Athletic Club and tennis courts uh, has four locations. Palatine in the northwest suburbs. Bannockburn in the north shore. Uh, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs. And the one that I visited yesterday, the Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. Midtown Palatine has launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which will be completed in early 2024. Listeners can lock in favorable rates if they join before the end of the year. Something at the clubs that everybody can have, like the single people can have their workouts and have their drinks at the at the bar. The families, you know, child care is included in your family package at Midtown Athletic. Please, um, people making lifestyle changes or holistic changes are all welcome at Midtown Athletic Club. And one of the quotes from one of the people who are members at Midtown says, Midtown Chicago is the nicest fitness club I've ever been to. And as I said yesterday, 
to call it a fitness club is like underselling it because it seems more like a country club seems like a luxurious thing for you to have because they have super luxe locker rooms with wet and dry saunas premium amenities a collection of boutique fitness studios and it's not gym quality it is the spaces are like boutique quality so they have the arena samadhi everybody fights ride the field in the theater those are just some of the classes that they have you could take a spin class if you want to sean you could take a cross-training class or a boxing class we, you and i could box together we could or we can do i saw their pilates uh studio awesome too and they provide all the equipment you need so if you do a yoga class the yoga mats are there and all that stuff the spin classes you can bring your own shoes or you could just clip onto your own spin cycles of shoes with your regular shoes that you use for workouts they have the best tennis courts and programming in the sport midtown has indoor outdoor tennis pickleball and paddle ball courts usta professional quality all the way so head on over to midtown.com slash chgo and find out more and tour the midtown athletic club nearest you i prefer the one in chicago but go to bannockburn i mean go, yeah. go to willowbrook I mean, maybe they maybe you live closer to bannockburn oh go to palatine i don't know we don't know have fun they're all great just do it just do it go it's to a, palatine it's a call to action <laughs> palatine <laughs> All right. Uh, and there was a question, too, I think from Kevin earlier, uh, if Sean Manaya is from Illinois. He is not. He's a region rat? He's a region guy. He's from Indiana. All right. So I don't know if people are figuring out whether it's Royals or former Illinois residents. We can cross this off. Area residents. Yeah. Is, is that Chicago land? Where's, where's Sean Manaya from? Well, is it Crown Point? He finished in Maryville. That's yeah, but he's, I mean, Merrillville's in, Merrillville's closer than Antioch. That's for sure. He was uh, <laughs> he was born in Wanata, Indiana. Mm. Mm. That he sounds made up. Originally attended <laughs> attended Union Mills, which is an unincorporated community in Noble Township, Laporte County. Mm. Merrillville is definitely closer to Sox Park than Antioch is, though. Yeah, what I it mean. might be closer than Naperville, maybe. Thoughts? I don't, yeah. I don't Naperville know. Naperville to the park? Let's get to the Google Maps on Naperville that Naperville's about an hour to the park, I, I believe. It's about the same as Wheaton, All right. which I'm from. So where did uh, Nikki Lopez go? Naperville Central. Naperville Central to 35th and Shields is a hour and four-minute drive with current traffic. Yep. And then where the hell is Sean and I from? Merrillville. 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 Indiana. 45. Nailed it. Ooh, Damn closer. Yes. But, I, hey, I mean, I think traffic, it, it, I mean, it, it's 39 and a half miles, Naperville Central, because it, it's mainly traffic, What show is Jeff listening to? Did I, did I pump up Bald the Young? 35.9. Apparently, I was uh, pumping up Bald the Young. I'm out of my mind for a second. I said he was a bad player. I said he was a negative war player. He's a good defensive player. Herb, I think you said... You got that imaginary radio slash uh, podcast going on, Jeff. I'm pretty sure that you said Paul DeYoung is going to win MVP. I did. Mainly because he's not a pitcher. <laughs> um, Callback. Callback. Call back. All right, Quality let's go back. to uh, Garrett Crochet uh, and some of the stuff that uh, Chris Getz said yesterday, or not yesterday, but Friday, uh, when the Aaron Bummer news broke. The question was asked, will Garrett Crochet be a starter or in the bullpen? The quote 
with Garrett for one. He's got an opportunity to have a healthy, normal offseason. Coming into spring training, there's going to be an innings progression for him, and we'll make a decision at some point in spring whether we continue to extend those innings and build them up or if there's a greater need in a different role for the White Sox. Obviously, I want him to be a multi-inning pitcher. If that means it's going to work towards a starter, so be it. Primarily, we're going to prioritize his health and his off and Oh, and he's off and running this offseason, and I know he's excited for whatever opportunity is given to him next year, but Garrett is preparing for different Orioles with us. I think you guys meant roles, but... That's just a typo. Yeah, you guys... I like that it said Orioles, because it was... You know, tied in with he's the preparing stuff. for different Orioles. <laughs> Maybe he's going to be packaged with Dylan Cease. Uh, but yeah, uh, what do we make of that from Chris Getz? Because it's definitely not he's a starter. No, it's not. But it is uh, very much in line with Chris Getz keeping all options on the table and not really, uh, you know, deciding to go down one path and then needing to backtrack. Uh, to me, it sounds like multi-inning reliever, uh, but. We know and we've been talking about how great that need is in the starting rotation. And if they get to spring training and they're just picking between Kopech, uh, uh, Soroka, Schuster, Toussaint, Schultens, and Garrett Crochet is blowing guys away uh, two innings at a time, they might say, well, what if we made that four innings at a time? You know, And so I think that obviously we've talked about it's going to take time. If, if they get to the end of spring training and they're like, we would like you to be a starter, he's not going to be on the opening day roster. It is going to take time to get him stretched out to that to that point that being said if they want him to be some sort of super duper two three inning relief guy you know then that you're on track to doing that more so than than otherwise so it seems like maybe they're trying to goldilocks this thing and meet in the middle rather than just be you're going to go out there get three guys out and that's the end of your day or we need you to throw six or seven innings they're going to say why don't you kind of come in and and andrew miller this for us and uh see if you can be two three innings at a time maybe that becomes sean as you've mentioned in the past an opener type situation or maybe it just becomes hey tukey tucson can only give us four today we're going to need you you know garrett to get us through to the seventh inning kind of thing so um piggybacking I believe is the term so uh, anything can happen I think that's kind of what Getz was saying there if I were to uh, uh, forecast what is going to be the most likely course I think he stays in the bullpen but as a multi-inning guy as opposed to we need you to come in and get three guys out late in the game and uh, I think you have spoken on this before Vinny where he has let it be known that he would like to be a starter he would but you know you just laid it out perfectly I think the White Sox need him in the bullpen but also there has to be kind of like this carrot and stick thing where you yes you are the bullpen guy and we need you for those roles but you know we'll give you an opener every once in a while as you were talking with the the giant system how they just started a lot of uh, people and had multiple people start 10 plus games for them maybe you can start Garrett Crochet and then work him up in that 2021 hybrid role that Michael Kopech kind of did where you're building him up a little bit but also his main role is back of the bullpen type of guy where he's got to be a shutdown guy back there but also hey you haven't pitched the last couple days instead of your necessary throw day this is a throw day on the mound you're getting us two three innings right now we're stretching you out by the time August comes maybe you can go four five innings and give us a start there that is more representative of what a major league starter is because I think he's only thrown at 
most like 55 innings in a major league season and then he got hurt with the Tommy John surgery so like he is nowhere near you need to be for a starter's innings base to put him into that even though you know I think he wants to that but he would have to start next year just to stretching him out a little bit more and then say hey Give us good bullpen innings, and then we'll give you some good starter uh, innings and stretch you out. And maybe in 2025, then we can think about a full-time uh, plate for you. And, Sean, one thing that you've brought up, specifically in regards to Brian Bannister coming aboard, but maybe Chris Getz is in charge. Maybe maybe there's a different thinking about how to approach things in the front office. And Chris Getz used the words on Friday when he talked about acquiring Soroka and Schuster. He said it addresses our need for starting pitcher mm-hmm. innings, which isn't, which didn't strike me as the same as our need in the rotation because we need starting five starting pitchers. And that might be, be- for better or for worse, but it might be an idea on a how to approach things a little differently. And perhaps Garrett Crochet could be a part of the solution to starting pitcher innings, even if he isn't a starting pitcher, so to speak. So um, maybe they are looking at this not from a five guys making 32 starts type perspective and more of a we need 32 starts times five worth of innings and then and and that can that number can be reached in any number of ways and and maybe they're doing that maybe they're not maybe they're leaving the door open for that based on the personnel that they have you know i'm sure they would like to go into spring training with five guys who they would be confident could make 32 major league starts but if they don't there are perhaps other ways to skin that cat that's such a unfortunate phrase why Starting we, pitcher innings? No, skinning the cat. Oh. Why so, I, didn't, I didn't come up with it. It's so graphic. It, it is. Leave that damn cat alone. I didn't come up with it, I promise. No, you didn't. Um, uh, crochet is... It's an idiom, Sean. And I don't we have it. so many bad idioms it, in this language. Man, we yeah. g- that's going to be our fri- Black Friday episode. What's your favorite idiom? Best or least favorite idiom. We could do we could power rank 15 idioms. Um, <laughs> watch out for your, your hot podcast feeds. Uh, no, we do have a... a, a episode planned for friday so stay tuned it's a fun one it's a fun one yeah um you can pop it into your ears while you're standing in line at walmart or the jew oh yeah right yeah i don't know why i said i don't think people go to jewel (laughs) for black Black friday Friday deals i need more food i just ate some (laughs) (laughs) wow sour cream is so cheap today um crochet's pitched in 72 games in his career 15 of them he has pitched uh over an inning and a third in them so 20 percent of his games he has thrown multiple innings i mean if we want to stretch that to an inning and a third it means four batters listen i i I think it's a valuable skill set i mean i I think trying to have garrett crochet be that guy is a is a good thing for the white Sox in the long run if they could turn him into a very unique weapon and you know you brought up herb what kopech kind of did in 21 maybe that's what michael kopech's future holds too we have no idea obviously they're planning on him being part of the starting rotation they would like that to just kind of go off without a hitch but we've heard talk about the quote-unquote versatility that michael kopech uh, has as well the ability to go out there for for more than one inning is a is a big one in especially during the season when you're trying to save your bullpen arms and stuff like that um it 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 shouldn't be viewed as sort of this half measure. I think to have that sort of weapon at your disposal uh, is a fantastic thing for any team. Um, that being said, we're just still in this kind of amorphous zone with with Crochet where we don't know what he's going to be because of how much time that injury cost him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is crazy. I mean, what, he missed all of 2022 because of it, and then 
what happened in 2023? There were there were some setbacks just kind of in yeah. the minor leagues. Yeah, um, it's tough because I mean, at some point, he was ranked as high in the top 40s of some prospect rankings after that 2020 season. So I don't want to say that he's completely changed and that potential still isn't there because we saw with Jake Berger, he had all the injuries in the world and still bounced back. But we just saw how affected he seemed to be by the actual injury. There wasn't a ton of steam this year. Uh, Out of those 15 appearances, one of them came in 2020, three of them came in 2023, and then the rest all in 2021. He was a complete monster in 2021. So I think he showed you kind of that roadmap in 2021. He wasn't that flamethrower he was in 2020, but he did seem to kind of find a role it's just there's so much time between that that I don't know how confident you can be. Because, like, you look at Spencer Turnbull. He's a former second-round pick. He just got non-tendered by the Detroit Tigers, and he's had every injury in the world from Tommy John surgery to, I think, a shoulder injury to, like, a broken toenail. Like, it just, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, that sounds bad. Well, and it was funny because A.J. Hinch said, it's going to be a, about a five-day injury. And then he just never pitched again for the Tigers. <laughs> I wouldn't want a broken toenail. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> but, like, it, 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 every, all the Tiger fans are like, he whined, he complained, and it's like, well, I don't know, it sounds pretty tough. <laughs> like, I don't I mean, anyways. If you're going to land on your toe the whole time, it's going to be hard. But with Crochet, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of momentum. Obviously, they're starting Paul DeYoung at shortstop, so they can give him all the rope if they want. Reportedly. Reportedly. Um, but they can give him all the rope that they want for him to succeed. So I, I'm, I'm fine to see... All of these birds spread their wings and reach the potential they can, you know, whether that be Paul DeYoung. Is that DeYoung. a Paul DeYoung reference? Maybe. No. Oh, oh, birds. Illinois State Redbird. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, maybe Paul DeYoung hits 30 homers again. Maybe he sucks. Maybe Garrett Crochet can throw 70 innings and can have a full season, and that would be fantastic. Maybe he sucks. Maybe Michael Kopech makes 30 starts. Maybe he <laughs> sucks. I mean, I don't know. This is all. That's I, I know all. Luis Robert Jr. is not going to suck, yeah. and I, I'm fine with whatever route they want to take with crochet because he's just got to put something on the board and whether that's a double a triple a major league baseball he's got to start getting momentum going and hopefully health will allow him to do that all the guys that they picked up have to play 99th percentile of their of their power to being any good for the white Sox. for the most part they've been bad lately so this year is just going to be like yeah Whatever, you know, what happens. And, yes, like Vinny said, the offseason is not over. Maybe they strike a deal. And I'm thinking in, the, in that um, conversation when you're listening to the starting rotation, I don't know if you did it on purpose or just by accident, uh, didn't put Dylan Cease in there. But Dylan Cease might be traded. Bob says it's like a 90% chance. I think he told uh, Sox Talk people that, that there's 90% chance that he's going to get traded. If he gets traded, I guarantee there's going to be some good talent coming back. So, and on that, you can maybe get like a middle infielder from the Dodgers or maybe some somebody from the Orioles, et cetera, et cetera. And the team looks a little bit better than the currently constituted team. If you're looking at this team right now, you're like, whew. How does trading Dylan Cease make them better? It doesn't. Okay. It does not. But at least you could say the the team is well a little bit better well-rounded than it was before because right now you only have one real major league starter in him and if you only have him might as well just trade him and get better players who are ready for the major leagues it better make him better at least in 2025 oh yeah right because then why the heck are you even doing it (laughs) you could just have dylan cease for two more years if the idea is to, i mean they're not going to trade dylan cease unless they think it makes them better for 2025 
Right. Well, right. and you know what's crazy? I I I learned about this thing because uh, Lance Lynn signed with the Cardinals. Kyle Gibson signed with the Cardinals. Did you know that you can extend players? That you can you like they don't have to go to free agency. No, you could actually negotiate a contract to like keep a player around in town. Do we got like a uh, like a sad trombone uh, noise, Sarah, that you can play so for sad. that bad bad joke by Sean? Thank you. We know it's going to happen, we, Sean. We should play it pretty often. That's good producing right there, that's, Sarah. That's the first I time I want to use that. this one often, but then again, like I'm always like, I don't it's know, maybe yeah, I'll try to keep the, the spirits up a little more. Here, I'll try, I'll try. The White Sox signed Paul DeYoung. Reportedly, do you guys? Reportedly, do you guys want to try one? Um, whoever uh, KPW wants us to sign a a guy who could play everywhere that isn't a former Royal, Kevin Biggio. <laughs> Even though KPW got got me money, and so did Kevin Biggio. He said he uh, hits home runs every day, every game he, that he goes to, or the day after there. And he got me a lot of money that on that bet. Let's go. Uh, let's take a quick break, uh, and we'll jump into more. Read. Uh, what? I got another read. I forgot. Oh, yeah, you do. Uh, we, well, don't worry, because I'm going to tell people about Ray CDJR. Uh, our friends, the CHGO Sports Podcast, the CHGO Bears Podcast, was just up at Ray Chevy uh, doing a Toys for Tots opening event with them. They were doing a live show up there. We're very proud to be working with Ray Auto. Uh, and Ray CDJR, Ray Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram in Fox Lake is a part of that Ray family. If you are in the market for a new vehicle, um, go check out the team at Ray Chrysler, Dodge Jeep, and Ram in Fox Lake. At Ray CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and find unforgettable savings. And right now, during Black Friday sales event at Ray CDJR in Fox Lake, you'll get 0% financing uh, on all new select models all month long. And that's not it. Just for listening, you can get a free oil change when you mention CHGO at the service center or mention CHGO when you book online at RayCDJR slash service. So if you are in the new market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out the team at Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram because they're the only team we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. For more information, visit RayCDJR in Fox Lake or RayCDJR.com, serving the community since 1963. And I did look up uh, Matty Rice. Thank you for that uh Notification: Paul DeYoung has a deal with the White Sox pending physical per source. This is from Mark Feinsand. John Heyman reported the sides were close. So, <sighs> Paul DeYoung, White Sox legend. I started eating Hero Bread because I have type 2 diabetes, and I didn't want to give up all the good stuff like sandwiches, the wraps, the quesadillas, and Hero Bread has been great for me, and I'm sure it'll be good for you when you give it a try. Need a low-carb option to fit your lifestyle and dietary constraints? The founder of Hero Bread, Cole Glass, baked 100 muffins per day. What? Per day. Heard that so many muffins. It is. What did he do with the stumps? I don't know. He threw them all away because he's like, ugh, this is not good enough. This has too many carbs in it. Before he found a perfect blend that fit into his allergy constraints. That's what pushed him to start Hero Bread. And the texture and the taste of these, well, I usually have the flour tortillas, just like any of your favorite flour tortillas, but they have zero net carbs, 15 grams of protein, and only 80 calories. So the taste and texture taste exactly like those without all the extra stuff that your favorite now, right now's favorite uh, flour tortilla has. But after you try Hero Bread, this will be your favorite. As I said, 15 grams of fiber, 
Our 15 grams of, uh, yeah, protein, high fiber, zero net carbs, hero-made sliced breads, buns, tortillas, and they're all available at hero.co and at Amazon right now. Hero Bread is offering the CHGO fam, that is you who is listening and watching right now, 10% off their first order. Just go to hero.co and use our code CHGO. Save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. Thanks, Herb. You're welcome, Sean. All right. We got two super chats. Uh, we did get our friend Connor Smith into the studio yesterday, and that was fantastic. He sends in a super chat today. Thank you, Connor. In the new wildcard format, Sox makes the playoffs in 2003, 2006, 2010, and 2012. So. He'd be up to 15. I think he's saying there's a chance. He'd be up to 15. 15. 15 playoff appearances in 123 years. Because oh. currently it's 11. And Kenny and Rick would still have a job. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what you were referencing when you said 15. but now We I use can. that 11 number a lot, I feel like. We do. Yeah, yeah no, we do. Uh, Maddie Rice saying uh, from a $5 super chat. Thank you, Maddie. Uh, seems like some decent talent coming out of Japan this offseason. Vinny, any insight as to why the Sox are never involved in that market? I don't know if I would say never. Certainly you go back far enough and they've got some very memorable players from Japan. I think Tadahito Aguchi sticks out as probably the most memorable, uh, but Shingo Takatsu before him as well. Um, and I guess technically you could say that Oscar Colas came uh, to the White Sox <laughs> from Japan as well, um, though obviously that was a little bit different situation. Uh, you're right. There is some decent talent coming out of Japan this offseason, but... But I believe the top two players on that market are both starting pitchers and very good ones at that, very high on the uh, rankings, at least, of free agent starting pitchers. Now that Aaron Nola's off the board, uh, I believe Yamamoto is probably the second-ranked free agent starting pitcher out there. Uh, and then the other guy whose name I don't remember at the moment, I apologize. Oh. The you're other Japanese the, pitcher. Well, oh, uh, Shota, Shota? I think Shota in... in uh, yeah, Shota is his first. There's another one, uh, uh, and he's right there. Eric Fetty? <laughs> yeah. And there's, and there's uh, another, you know, he's right there in that top five probably of free agent pitchers based on the rankings that I've seen. So if you've got a owner or an owner who said pu publicly to us a distaste for kind of big free agent contracts that are handed out today, particularly those that go to pitchers, there, maybe you could connect the dots a little bit there. I think that certainly when it comes to Chris Getz, uh, he is going to, uh, if, he, if we are talking about what he's said to us, they're going to evaluate each and every option, you know, each and every opportunity individually. Um, but when you've got Jerry Reinsdorf saying the kind of things that he said about free agent spending in general, um, it would maybe make sense that you wouldn't hear the White Sox connected to someone of Yamamoto's stature. Um, not to say that they would never sign a player who comes out of Japan, but maybe it would need to be in a price range that is more um, to their liking. Shota Imanaga is the other pitcher that you were talking to gotcha. about. Uh, and there was, from the uh, general manager meeting, there was like a weird question where he asked, was asked about his vision for the uh, international strategy. He said, we're certainly going to attack things a little more strongly on the pitching front. There are different ways to allocate international bonus money. We had a meeting last week with Marco, uh, Marco Patti, Marco Patti. I don't know why I was, see, going back to the discussion earlier in the show, 
just butchering uh, names uh, and everyone else in our front office. And we're putting together a strategy for the White Sox moving forward. But you can expect a different approach. So, I mean, maybe they are a little bit more aggressive, like, you know, now in the in the Japanese front. front. I know there's also uh, Yariel Rodriguez, the Cuban pitcher who uh, pitched in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, he's a free agent as well. And I heard the White Sox are at least I, I haven't heard. I gotta be you read. Yes, I saw a tweet that linked the White Sox to Yariel Rodriguez. And you got to remember, too, international market is a pretty big umbrella. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the White Sox have had success with Marco Patti signing specific kinds of international free agents at specific ages, you know, out of and in some cases out of specific countries. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that those are the equivalent of the kind of uh, the kind of players that are, are being posted by these Japanese teams now, those guys obviously have a ton of professional experience pitching over in Japan uh, at, at what I guess you would say is the second best major league uh, in the world. So, yeah. yeah. And then let's move into more get stuff from Friday, uh, specifically Cola, since we brought up the, the Japanese uh, international market. Uh, we brought up that it was reported that Colas was not going to be playing winter ball like previously expected. Getz was asked about that, and he said he's not playing winter ball. He has chosen to work in his training. He's down in Florida. He's got a group of players that he's regularly working out with, working on his offensive game, working on his body. He chose to take a path instead of playing, which I certainly understand. I think there's benefits of both. I think that he's determined to be better next season, and we'll see what it looks like come spring training. We clipped that quote. We we clipped our discussion about will he play winter ball and John Greenberg of the athletic was like, Oh, this is funny. Got a chuck out of it. Uh, you know, chuckle out of it. And then he re- reached out to you the next day when Getz said this and said that Getz seemed peeved when he was saying this. Did you get any vibe from that? Well, I mean, I asked the question, uh, but I, let's put it this way. I can tell you one person who's probably not happy about this yes. decision and that's Pedro Grafol, mm-hmm. uh, because Pedro Grafol spent the end of the year talking to me and uh, the beat writers at large very strongly about how important he felt it was that Oscar Colas play winter ball. And I believe Chris, if, if memory serves, Chris Getz was asked the same, you know, should he play winter ball? Would it be good? And he said, yes, that would be good. You know, we're happy that he's doing that kind of thing. Um, obviously something changed. Uh, and I bet Pedro Grafol is not very happy. Chris Getz pointed out in that answer, which I think makes sense, benefits to both routes, and maybe it was explained to Chris and the White Sox at large by Oscar, hey, these are the things that I think I can get done doing it this way. Um, but Pedro Grafol, who I, correct me if I'm wrong, managed winter ball, I believe, at one point, uh, knows obviously the uh, close from close up the benefits of playing in that in that league of getting that experience and obviously he knows from close up the things that Oscar Colas needs to do to become a, a major league caliber baseball player uh, when you now hear that Colas just decided not to do that mm-hmm. granted we don't know necessarily everything that went into his decision I would imagine that his manager would have preferred that he went the other route yeah, you can't I mean and I'm I would bet to guess that that is kind of part of the problem with Oscar Colas as Pedro sees. Like, he gives him a suggestion, a strongly worded suggestion to play winter ball, and then Oscar's like, 
good cat. And then, you know, Chris Getz, you can't make him play winter ball. So he does what he wants to. And I would assume that he wants him to play winter ball so he can continue getting tutelage from specific people who are like, okay, you have to do this, that, and that the correct way instead of just having himself and other people around him uh, holding himself accountable instead of actual professional managers and coaches who are holding him accountable and then reporting back to the White Sox to see how he's doing. And so um, I'm sure this is not going over well, as you said, with Pedro Gofal. Right when you read that quote, I was like, I'm sure Pedro's pissed off about that 100% because when you guys spoke to him, I think he brought it up multiple times that winter ball would be the best option for him. And his face looked like, this is what I mean. Winter ball, he better do it. And, like, he wasn't saying, like, he wasn't saying, like, oh, yeah, it would be nice if he played winter ball. He could get a lot out of that. He said it's extremely important that he does this kind yes. of thing. And now he's not doing it. I could be wrong. So take this with a grain of salt. I think that Colas was slated to play with the Gigantes de Cibao. My favorite team. This team that Pedro managed. Okay. I could be wrong, or he he might have managed the Toros, and Colas might have been playing for the Toros. I could be wrong, but I think the team that he was slated slated to play for was Grafal's former team as okay. well. So there might even be more layers to that, but I don't know. Uh, I could also just be spewing crap. Uh, cool. Uh, let's move on. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, the one that we wanted to bring up was uh, the clarification on Col. Oh no, the clarification on Colson, and then we'll end with Aloy. Um, Clarification again, we brought this up on Friday. He's not going to be a part of the opening league, uh, opening day roster, or at least there's no talks of it happening. Yeah, I mean, I guess let's put it this way. At the GM meetings, he had left the door open to anything happening, right? That, hey, he, the, he kept saying, we don't want to limit Colson Montgomery and what he can do. We don't want to cap what he can do. It definitely sounded like he was going to show up to uh, spring training, have a chance to compete if, the, if the, all the, the, you know, the situation was correct there. You know, not putting any pressure on him, but let him do as, as much as he can. And then on Friday, he was asked point blank, have there been any conversations about Colson making the opening day roster and and Chris said no <laughs> no there have not so I would have to imagine and I think this is the impression we were under anyway that they would ha- they are going to be planning for Colson Montgomery not to be a part of the opening day roster but I think that still leaves the door open to Colson shows up to spring training and is a rod you know in terms of production <laughs> or whatever and all of a sudden you know they can't they have no choice but to put him on the team it's six four two forty. and i mean seriously i mean like signing paul de young reportedly does not preclude that from happening right like but it also puts absolutely no pressure on montgomery to have to do any of that he can just continue his development as as his uh, career sees fit, and there's there's no pressure there. And I think that's the main thing. There is no rush for Colson Montgomery to get up here and be the White Sox everyday shortstop. Uh, and Twitter is a buzz right now. I don't know if a buzz is the right word. Twitter is happening right now with <laughs> the, the, the pressure uh, reliever in terms of Paul DeYoung. Let's move now to Aloy. They're gets addressed the trade talks and obviously it's still the narrative that we're open to moving anyone herb you brought up that bob nightingale said that apparently the percentage that cease gets traded is 90 percent um first off with alloy if cease is 90 percent what 
percentage do you think Aloy is to get traded? See, the thing is, like, I don't know if there's a lot of teams checking, but there's a decent amount of teams checking in for Aloy because of the talent is there. It's immense. They saw it. Everybody knows that he can hit the ball and hit it with authority and usually is a good hitter, too. But he's relegated pretty much to designated hitter status with the White Sox, and he's often hurt. So I would say there'll be some teams checking in at least you know five teams I don't know the number but I don't know exactly if there is interest other teams in trading for him and if the White Sox see enough value coming back because he's still relatively young in his career and relatively inexpensive so if the White Sox don't see enough coming back for Aloy they could just say no we'll hold on to him there's no there's no rush to get rid of him because Dylan Cease, we always see the writings on the wall that he's pretty much going to be a free agent after two years. For Aloy, if he is, who's checking for him? There are people, but it's not the market that Dylan Cease is, and he's not signed by uh, 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 Boris. And so you know that the negotiations aren't going to be contentious, contentious like they are with uh, Dylan Cease. So I don't know how many people are checking for him, but I'm sure there are. But to put a number on it, I would say probably like 30%. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that they're actively offering him, and I don't think there's teams that are a lot of teams actively calling the White Sox for his services, even though the White Sox have let it be known that they're open for business. I think if there's one thing we've learned so far from Chris Getz is that he wouldn't have a problem parting with anybody. Um, you know, we hear, we hear trade rumors about Dylan Cease. We see him just say bye to Tim Anderson. Uh, I mean, I think that... Chris Getz would certainly entertain any trade offers for Aloy Jimenez. That being said, Dylan Cease and Aloy Jimenez are in two very different places. Dylan Cease was the Cy Young runner-up a year ago. Aloy Jimenez is currently a power hitter struggling to hit the ball in the air. Um, he's a guy who's had a lot of injury problems. He's a guy that has yet to live up to the potential. Dylan Cease did not have a good year for him necessarily last year, but he has shown that he can live up to that potential. So Aloy Jimenez right now, you're going, if you're the White Sox, you're going to be selling low on him. Dylan Cease, you could probably get a very hefty return package for Dylan Cease. So Aloy Jimenez might not get traded this year, or this winter rather, because you might not get what you think you should get for a guy as talented as Aloy Jimenez. Why not keep him on the team, let him hit 20 home runs before the all-star break next year and then you try to and then you try to trade the guy um i don't think if if aloy jimenez doesn't get traded this offseason i don't think it's because chris Getz has this grand plan to build a lineup around aloy i think it's because you would be selling pretty low on a guy that you thought so highly of that you already gave him a contract before he played a major league game well chris Getz didn't well, the team <laughs> yeah, did, no, I, I guess, is my point. And the, the evaluation of that talent was, was there at the time. And, they, and from everything he's said about Aloy this offseason so far, he's expressing a belief that that talent is still there. And who else is better than Aloy in the actual organization right now? I mean, I know the organization is bad, but that just means that, you know, the guys with talent kind of stick out. And we know that when healthy, he can be. Yeah, and I was just thinking, like, about Dylan Cease. Like, is he, like, the most valuable commodity available this offseason even the free agents like his low cost his two years of availability him being a pitcher who post 32 and 32 three starts each of the last two years no matter how bad he how bad the year was in 2023 
posting is a valuable skill that many people don't have in this major leagues. And I think like even before Nola, you got to pay him $170 million. You got to pay Dylan Cease, what, 25 in the next two years, if that inexpensive and might be a Cy Young in the next couple of years. So he's like that 90% makes sense because he's so valuable and all these people missing out on Nola and when Snell and et cetera sign, I think Dylan Cease is a better uh, commodity than all the rest of the pitchers and most of the people who are on the market not named Shohei Itani. And Bob saying that uh, the, the White Sox have a high price for Dylan Cease. Good. As they should. Make it, oh, make it as high as possible. Highest better. I mean, like that's, that's the saying for a reason. I mean, I, I, I need to be so content with this deal because, I mean, he is going to be a Cy Young at some point. I'll, I'll say that. I mean, he's got some of the nastiest stuff in all of baseball. He's able to start at least 32 games. If he has seven more seasons where he starts 32 games, he's absolutely winning a Cy Young in one of those. So if it's not the right price, wait on Dylan Cease. I mean, hold on to Dylan Cease and Aloy Jimenez because you can give him playing time. You can give him the showcase to say, hey, look how good this guy is. Wouldn't he look good in a Braves uh, uniform? Wouldn't he look good in an Orioles uniform? Hey, you know, you need Heston Kerstad and uh, Colton Kowser? Come on, Baltimore. You're being sting- stingy. Like, you know, Chris Getz just holding the feet to the fire. And you know what? There's the, there's the other side of that coin, too, though, Sean. I mean, there's the other side of the coin, which is if they don't, can't or don't trade some of those guys this offseason, what if they're just good? Then you have Dylan Cease for two years. You have Aloy Jimenez for three three years. You have Luis Robert for four years. You have Yoan Moncada for two years. Like, it's not the end of the world to all of a sudden these guys are good. And and maybe that can dramatically change what, Herb, you described earlier as a rebuild on the fly. If it's on the fly, then your plans can change. And that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either. It doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be the entire re- rebuild uh, has to uh, happen in one offseason or else there's no shot kind yeah, of thing. Re- it's a revamping. Again, it's, it's, <laughs> it's rebuild such a, a dirty word, guys. Uh, appreciate everyone hanging out with us. Uh, I don't think there's uh, much more to, to touch on with the Chris Getz thing. Uh, we'll have more reaction to Paul DeYoung tomorrow now that it is reported on by two people. Three. Three. Bob Nightingale's in the mix now, too. Oh, boy. It seems like it's official. I, I mean, Well, it's not. It's got to do a physical. Oh, okay. That's it. So that's why it's not official? Because, like, what's the rule? I thought the rule was if you have, like, at least three people reporting on it, that's a... No. no it's that's official a, when the team announces that it's official. Okay. That's a source. Like, you want two people to right. vouch for it. Oh, okay. What's your but, so, so then three guys have two sources? I mean, there, or are there six sources that are saying Paul DeYoung? Or you just need one source that is really good. It's Paul DeYoung. It's being, reported hey, by, it's being reported by multiple people. Him. How about that? Uh, Chris Getz, those are good sources. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Eckenwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And our producer is Sarah. Thank you to Sarah for producing the show. Uh, I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We'll be back tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. with Jared Willis. So, hey, see you then. Silly like the mayor.